It's Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Sixers remain hot. The Phillies have come back to reality. The Flyers have turned into a brutal team to watch, and the NFL draft is just a couple weeks away for the Eagles. There's always plenty going on in Philly sports. And we got it covered tonight with a couple returning great guests. Yeah, you know it, Bill. Lots of Eagles and Flyers talk this week. But we, of course, will talk about the Sixers and the Phillies as well. And, hey, speaking of the Phillies, if you want more Phillies talk, I want to mention this right now. Check out who and what is on tap on our Edge of Philly sports Look at that lineup, Bill. You got Chris Terrian with us tonight, along with Paul Domowich. We're not talking Phillies with those guys, but then Mickey Morandini joins the Edge of Philly guys later tonight. And then Lenny Dykstra, that's right, <sighs> nails Saturday morning on Patterson Athenag. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yes, it will. Good good lineup for uh, the Edge of Philly Sports Network, that's for sure. Hey, Chet, two great guests tonight in Inquire.com's Paul Domowich to sort out the Eagles' dysfunction for us. That'll be a lot of fun. And former Flyers defenseman and broadcaster Chris Terrian is back to talk hockey as well. And his new opportunity, he told us about a few weeks ago, with limitless recovery. Uh, so with that, let's welcome Inquire.com's Paul Domowitz back to Philly Press Box Radio. Paul, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Paul. Uh, boy, what an offseason it has been already. Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, both gone Howie Roseman remains, of course, and there are all sorts of stories out there about dysfunction in the Eagles organization. Is it safe to say the, that Jeffrey Lurie is more involved in the draft process and other player matters than he has fessed up to? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's become Jerry Jones, but he's, he's certainly more involved than he had been in the past. Yeah, what, what about, uh, Paul, what's the deal with the whole micromanaging thing that's coming out now, it seems, with Peterson and all that? I mean, I, I guess I'm a little naive because I've only been involved in high school football and and my son in college football. Do general managers tell coaches who to play? <laughs> <laughs> do you mean do coaches uh, – yeah, do owners uh, tell and general managers tell coaches? Not ordinarily, no. Now, I don't think uh, most most of the problems they've had or they had had to do with uh, coaching personnel more so than uh, playing personnel. Aside from that travesty of a last game when uh, when Doug was essentially ordered to lose it, and you know he ended up putting in Nate Sudfeld. But uh, you know a lot of the problems that led to his firing had to do with with them wanting to make changes on on that coaching staff of Doug's and him not wanting to fire people. And, and, you know, that kind of, those things never happened with previous coaches. I, I think they felt they could do it with Doug because he was inexperienced as a head coach. Didn't seem to matter that he had won a Super Bowl in 2017. Uh, but I mean, before that, they, they pretty much picked his initial uh, coaching staff for him. Uh, and then when things started to go South in 2016, they wanted him to make changes and that he didn't want to make. And that was kind of 
uh, you know, beginning of the end as far as the relationship there. Well, you know, Paul, it's just a coincidence, but today happens to be the 109th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. And so this picture just happens to come to mind for me. But uh, the new head coach, Nick Sirianni, hasn't exactly energized the fan base with his first couple of Zoom news conferences. Lurie says Sirianni got the job because of his smarts and his head coaching potential. Skeptics say it's more likely because Lurie and Roseman have a guy that they can control. What is more accurate? I mean, the fact that, that I mean, how he wanted somebody that that he could control, or at least that would not tell him to get lost. Uh, I think that was a, you know, a big reason why uh, things kind of went south with the uh, Patriots assistant they were uh, talking to. Yeah. That it became evident to everybody, and, and finally Howie, that this was going to turn into another Chip Kelly situation at some point. And uh, he didn't want that. He wanted somebody that, like you said, he could control or at least um, deal with. Uh, and and Sirianni is, you know, a first first time coach, head coach. You know, he's not going to make waves there. He knows he knows what it's going to take to keep his job. Uh, you know, I don't think. I mean, again, the situation here is not as bad as a lot of other places as far as owner and even GM uh, dictating things to a coach. Uh, it's just that things, you know, after they won the Super Bowl, you know, Doug thought he had a little bit more um, sway in things than, than maybe they thought he did once things started to go south. So, you know, uh, but Sirianni for now, it's a happy marriage. Um, but, you know, I mean, the, the problem is always going to be, uh, Howie, and you know that's not going to be rectified anytime soon. A lot of rumblings going on with the draft coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, that the Eagles were actually looking quarterback, uh, possibly with all these quarterbacks, young ones coming out. Uh, it, now there's been trades, and it looks like Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy at least for this year. Is he is he in a comfortable spot, or is he just filling a spot here for till next year's draft? I mean, it's it's what he makes of it, uh, and he knows that. You know, I mean, he's, he's there are no guarantees. This isn't a situation where he's been told he's going to be the long term answer. He's on a one year trial. If he can prove to them this year uh, that he can be a, a franchise quarterback, uh, they'll go forward with that idea and fill around him. If they get to the end of the season and he hasn't played well. And, and they feel that they need someone else. That's why they've stocked up on the first-round draft picks. They've got three of them in next, next year's draft. Uh, they could also go out and sign a veteran next year. A lot of options that they'll have. So, But right now, I mean, this isn't – they're not looking at this as like this is a short-term guy. They're, they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. You know, they've kept the offensive line intact, uh, which I think is a good thing for, for Jalen, uh, you know, Lane Johnson's back. Uh, they got Jason Kelsey to sign an extension. Brandon Brooks is back. And we'll see what happens at left tackle uh, between Jordan Mulata and Andre Dillard. But that's going to be a pretty decent line in front of him. So at least he, he has a fighting chance going into the season. Paul, I wear this shirt every once in a while just to remind myself they actually won a Super Bowl three years ago because it doesn't feel like it right now. 
All right, this offseason, several contract restructurings, plus some new additions. Safety, Anthony Harris, linebacker, Eric Wilson, backup quarterback, Joe Flacco, of course. Uh, we think he's the backup. Uh, and back for a third time, running back, Jordan Howard. There wasn't any money for any you know big blockbuster signings, but what do you think of these additions? They were okay. I, I like the Eric Wilson signing. Got a chance to play last year in Minnesota uh, and made the most of it. You know, he's, 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 he's a better cover guy than he is a run defender, but uh, that's where today's game is. So, uh, you know, Harris will – he's a sufficient safety. You know, we're going to have to see where Rodney McLeod is as far as his uh, rehab. Uh, they've got the kid from Clemson that they drafted last year. So they should be okay there. You know, I still think they got to do something. I mean, they re-signed Jordan Howard. I still think they need to get a back in this draft. Um, Miles Sanders needs – He's Miles Sanders is never going to be a between-the-tackles puncher. I mean, he's just that's just not what he likes doing. Uh, you know, last year he didn't do much of anything well. I mean, he couldn't catch the ball. He was out of sync with Carson – Ran it okay sometimes, but I think they need a power back to complement him. Uh, that was Jordan Howard a couple of years back when he was healthy. Uh, I don't think it is anymore. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, I said this uh, last week. I wouldn't have a big problem in the first round if they, if they, if Najee Harris was there or the kid from Clemson, Travis ATN, and they took one of them because, I mean, that helps your offense. It helps Jalen Hurts because I think we're going to see this team run the ball a lot more than they have in the past with uh, with with Doug. So, uh, you know, that, I'd be okay with that. Well, Paul, the defense, uh, Jim Schwartz is gone. Uh, do we have any idea what's going to happen on that side of the ball uh, strategically? Are, are we actually going to maybe have linebackers on the team now for the first time in years? Well, the fact that they signed Wilson would seem to indicate that they do recognize there is a linebacker position. It's, 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 you know, we don't know. We haven't had a chance to talk to Gannon in the three months he's been on staff. Uh, we're supposedly going to get finally get a chance to talk to the coordinators after the draft. Uh, we're assuming, I mean, all we can do is guess because he's never been a coordinator that he's going to follow a lot of the things they did in, in uh, Indianapolis uh, last year where he was the cornerbacks coach, um, which basically is going to mean. They're not going to do a lot of blitzing. Uh, they're going to play a lot of cover two. A, a lot of the same things Schwartz believed in, uh, except a little bit more importance on the uh, linebacker position, and 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 have the you know and have the safeties play a lot of uh, uh, split safety type of stuff. So, but that's only a guess because I mean, Gannon may have tricks up his sleeve, may have some ideas of how he wants to change from what they did in Indianapolis. Uh, that we don't know about, and and I'm also curious to see what how it's going to affect how they draft. Would they take a linebacker in the first round? If Micah Parsons is there, I mean they haven't drafted a linebacker in, in Philly in the first round since Jerry Robinson in 1976. I want to say 79, I believe. 79, yeah. So it's been a while. <laughs> it probably won't happen this year. But I mean, if Micah Parsons slides down to them wherever they are, he's a special player. So. Uh, but we right now we don't know what they're going to do with you know what what their draft strategy is. You know they traded down once. I think they're still. I think they might consider trading down again because they just can't seem to get enough draft picks. Uh, but there's been some suggestions that they might 
you know, if they're at 12 and somebody like Patrick Sertan, one of the cornerbacks that they want, is uh, they're at nine, they might trade up so that they can jump over Dallas and get somebody like that. So it's all, you know, right now it's all guessing, but that's where we are. Yeah, I know we've heard Sertan linked to the Cowboys on occasion. Uh, Let's say the Eagles stay at 12 and you have the two Alabama receivers there, Smith and Waddle. Would Howie go for one of the receivers, maybe to make up for some past discretions, uh, you know, taking Ortega Whiteside two years ago, that sort of thing? I think it's a a good possibility, Chet. Uh, You know, I I don't think – they certainly haven't given up on on Rager. I don't know what they're thinking right now with with regard to Ortega Whiteside. You know, he'll be given another chance this year, but regardless, they still need another wide receiver, another impact guy uh, on the other side from Rager. Because uh, you're you're losing, you know. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's gone, um, Alshon's gone, so uh, they need help there. So definitely, wide receiver is going to be a possibility. So is cornerback. Mm-hmm. Hey, Paul, you mentioned the offensive line looks like it's uh, intact if it if it's healthy. Uh, what do you, what about Zach Ertz? Where's that going to land? And uh, with Ertz and Goddard both back and a solid offensive line, you certainly have something to build with on the offense. Well, there's still a, a, a sense that, that, that Zach's going to get traded here at some point, whether it's on draft night. Um, you know, he wants he wants out. You know, they're not going to resign him to any kind of extension, or at least they hadn't planned to. If maybe that's changed, but I doubt it. Um, so, I you know, I still think that's a good possibility. They trade him. You know, right now we don't know how much. You know, next year I had asked uh, Sirianni at one of his two press conferences, are they going to play a lot of two tight end next year? Does I mean, does he like it? Um, and he kind of, you know, I mean, they're going to play whatever their, 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 their personnel dictates is the best thing to do. I mean, if they trade Ertz and don't get a replacement, we probably won't see a lot of two tight end. Um, you know, they're going to use, even suggested using two backs, which is something that the, uh, you know, that, that, that Doug almost never did. He, he used it as a gimmick. Uh, last couple of years, maybe, you know, once or twice every six games. So, uh, you know, but I, I still think, you know, if, if we get past draft day and Zach is still on the roster, you know, then I think the, 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 the chances of him staying one more year increase. It probably means Sirianni had a talk with him, told him, you know, I mean, I mean, Zach wants to stay. He wants to finish his career as an Eagle. He's got more than one year left, though, so I don't know. You know, that's not going to – I mean, unless they give him a new contract, he's not going to be here for the end of uh, – when his career ends. So – but they're, the, the, the main problem and the reason he's still on the roster is they've had no significant offers for him. I mean, sixth, seventh-round picks, you know, they could pick that up two weeks before the season if they want if – if that's what it comes to. I think wow. they're still holding out, hoping maybe – in training camp, somebody loses one of their tight ends, and suddenly Zach becomes a lot more valuable. Kind of like going back to 2016 uh, when Minnesota lost its quarterback and they traded Sam Bradford. I mean, that was like a, a gift horse for him. Maybe, maybe lightning strikes twice. Well, as it stands right now, Paul, the Eagles have 11 picks in this year's draft. And they certainly have a lot of needs. So anything in particular they'll be especially working to address with those remaining draft picks? Yeah, I mean, what? how many of those are five – five of the 11 are in the sixth and seventh round, which is – Right, 
Uh, they're they're like throwing them darts against the wall there. Uh, but they do have four of the uh, first 84, uh, five of the first 123 picks, which are situations they haven't had in a long time. So they have good picks uh, if they if, if they draft right. And that's a big if because they haven't been <laughs> yeah. drafting right in a long time. Um, but as far as what they need, they need, you know, they got to find a cornerback. First rounds is a possibility there, but there are cornerbacks they can get on the first and second days of the draft. Same with wide receiver. Uh, you know, they need an edge rusher. Uh, you know, Brandon Graham, they signed him to an extension, but he's 33. So we're talking one year, maybe two. Uh, Derek Barnett, they did not release him. They did not trade him. They, they did not give him an extension. So he's back on the fifth year of his contract, getting $10 million. Uh, so they clearly have not made up their mind on him. So he could be gone after this season, which only leaves Josh Sweat. So this is a good draft to get some, uh, get an edge rusher. You don't have to get one in the first round. Uh, day two is pretty good for them. Um, so I think they, they need help there. Uh, you know, you, you could pretty much pinpoint any position. Like I said, running back, um, They'll probably take a quarterback at some point because they need a third quarterback, a developmental guy. It won't be. I don't think they're going to pick one high this year. They're not. They're not going to shock us again. But uh, so uh, yeah, at least they have so many needs that at least they can use the best athlete available uh, approach because anything they get is going to be a, a position of need for them. Well, Paul, I, as an Eagles fan, I'm still irritated by the whole Jeffrey Lurie press conference after the firing of Doug Peterson, where <laughs> where basically, uh, philosophically, they didn't say rebuild, but they did say rebuild. And, you know, they traded back. They lost the game on purpose. They traded back to pick up another number one. Um, the, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know. It's like putting lipstick on a pig at this point. They they're not really all that interested in this year as much as they are down the road. They are. You're right, Bill. Uh, uh, I think the reason they didn't use the word rebuild is because they know they're in the NFC East. Uh, you know, so I mean, if if they can be respectable, they can. It, that's within reach. Um, it always will be. I mean, that I know getting Dak Prescott back is. It was huge for, for Dallas, and they'll, they'll go into the season as the favorite. But, I mean, the, the Eagles will not be – it will not be impossible for them to win that division if they played well. I think that's why you've seen them keep some of the parts they've kept. I mean, they could have gotten rid of Brandon Graham. They could have gotten rid – they could have traded Brandon Brooks. They could have done a lot of things like that and just cleaned house, gotten a ton of picks either this year or next year. I think they wanted they wanted to – they're trying to do this and still not be bad this year. Uh, give themselves a chance and give give Jalen Hurts a chance to prove that he can be a good quarterback. You know, if, if they if they strip him of the talent around him, you know, it, it decreases his chances for success and decreases their chances to get a very good reading on him. So um, I think that all went into their plan. I don't think they'll be horrible this year. I think they'll be better than they were last year. Uh, but it'll still be a year where they're looking towards, you know, in the in the NFL, it only takes a year or two to, to turn things around because next year, cap money is no longer going to be a problem because of all the inc the dramatic increases with the with the new TV deals. So, I mean, next year they can go out and sign as many free agents as they want. Other teams can too, um, but again, 
we get down to the bottom line of you, you can have as much cap money as you want. You can have as many draft picks as you want. If you screw it up, if you don't have smart people making the picks, it really doesn't matter. And, and that's where, you know, that's where all the pressure is on Howie Roseman right now. He's, he's got to, he's got to be better. Paul, last question. Uh, I saw six and a half as the over under for the Eagles. It's a 17 game schedule. Do you go over six and a half? You go under. I'd probably go under. I think six. I, I, I'm looking at six and ten, maybe. Six and eleven. I mean, six and eleven. I, I forgot about that seven. Yeah, see, well, see. You know what? It's against the Jets. Maybe seven and ten. There you go. Yeah, Vegas knows what they're doing. Six and a half. Yep. <laughs> well, hey, Paul, we have used up all your time. It flew by. We could do this for the whole hour, but uh, we we have to let you go. And uh, we we appreciate you taking the time to join us for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. I enjoyed it. Thanks, all Paul. right. Thanks, Paul. Take care. All right. Hey, Chet, let's talk about insurance. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. You know it, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. He'll be there if you, you know, just want to talk, have questions, need help, whatever. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Give Dave a call today. He's at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Once again, that number, 610-430-0700. Willie, where are Hey, everybody. It's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. You know, I, I love that little clip every week. <laughs> I do. I really do. That's that's cool. Speaking of which, big news just announced today. Willie is going back on the road. Concert venues are opening up, and Willie is playing uh, several shows starting the end of May at the Ardmore Music Hall in Philadelphia. So guess where I'm going to be the end of May? Yeah, how many people are they going to let in? About 10? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know that yet. So, uh, Hey, Chet, let's, uh, we've got a another guest here in just a few minutes uh in chris terrian but hey let's jump on the phillies real quick uh they've come back to reality real fast after taking a trip to uh, atlanta in new york um you know what that top four in that atlanta lineup can hit the baseball yeah and unfortunately the phillies lineup did not really hit that well the last few games uh, against either atlanta or new york especially uh dropped the doubleheader last night they got the mets again this evening and then tomorrow if the weather holds they gotta go up against Degrom. so not looking good for the phillies who after a 4-0 start have suddenly lost five of the last seven they're six and five their percentage points behind the mets now in the nl east and, you know, some of the things we were worried about going into the season, Bill, inconsistent pitching and a lack of production out of the center field spot. Center fielder is hitting something like 131 so far. Uh, Adam Hazley now sidelined for a bit with some personal issues. Roman Quinn can't hit at all. I think he's got one hit this season. So they got some trouble. Mickey Moniak coming up and will probably be in the lineup tomorrow. Yep. Well, you know, we have to give Hazley the benefit of the doubt, I think, for just a minute since he missed most of spring training. Um, you know, he's kind of in the spring training mode. But whenever anybody leaves for personal reasons, that's certainly a concern. And we hope that that's nothing serious. And a young player hit like him can get back with the club in whatever capacity just as soon as possible. Yeah, whatever's, uh, you know, the situation, we hope that it works out for him. And uh, we hope that it works out for the Phillies with that center field issue. So, uh, that is a concern, but uh, you know it, it's eleven games. They're six and five. They're right there. 
I think they'll be okay. Um, the schedule should get easier after playing, you know, all these games against the Braves and Mets. It'll be nice to see teams from other divisions at some point this year too, which they didn't see at all last year. Yeah, it will be good not to see the Braves for a little while. Hey, Chet, Chris Terry had told us he'd be back uh, to talk to us about something special in his life that was coming up. And being a man of his word, he's back with us tonight to talk about it and talk some miserable Flyers hockey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bundy, welcome back. Great to be here, guys. Yeah, it's been uh, – you know, it's really funny because it's been it's been such an odd year uh, – in sports in general, but but then for the Flyers to have started off well, and you came into a year where I think that they thought that, you know, things had really turned the corner in the playoffs last year. You know, the one thing I couldn't get away from, even in the offseason, guys, in the beginning of this year, I, I could not get the taste of that Game 7 out of my mouth the entire year. And usually when you see a performance like that, I mean, they didn't show up for a Game 7, which is almost impossible. It almost doesn't happen. Uh, they did not show up in that game. And and it looks right now like uh, they look like the same team after the start of the year. And I'm, I'm just not really sure what, what they can do at this point. I really, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was an ugly last few weeks for the team for sure. They're not officially eliminated. They're pretty much cooked. And you made some comments recently on Facebook. What has happened to this team that we thought going into this year was going to be a legitimate contender. Why has it gone so wrong? Uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, it, it's it's almost like you compile you can compile uh, you know lack of uh, of critical scoring uh, with bad goaltending and poor defensive coverage. It's been just absolutely atrocious. That was the area, you know, when Chuck Fletcher came in here uh, that they said immediately they need to to rectify, they need to repair. Is there is the goals against average, and they did that last year. You know, they made strides. But you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit around and, and have them tell me that. Uh, uh, the COVID affected what they were they were doing this year. I'm just not buying it. I can't buy that because other teams have had it too, and they've they've gotten through uh, the other side. So I think the biggest problem, guys, has been that there was an expectation coming in this year from the fans, and they've not lived up to. It. In fact, it's gone in reverse, total reverse uh, from what our expectations were. So now what you have, and I think you're you're staring it down um, pretty clearly. Um, you've got a team that needs a rebuild and almost like an Ottawa or Detroit. And I know the fans are going to hate hearing that, but you do. And I even going back to Ron Hextall's era, you know, and I used to talk to Hexy about this. I said, what about the, the fact that you've got an older aging core that's combined with a, uh, a, a really young group that, that he really loved. I mean, he really talked up the young guys of, of this team as the, the, you know, the immediate future and how much, how important they were going to be for, for this team. Uh, that that hasn't happened. It has it a little bit, but I really think that they need to really break this thing down, uh, get young, find the the prospects, get a number top three pick somehow again. If that's how bad you're going to be, uh, the Rangers did it and they ended up getting uh, you know Caco and, uh, and and Lafreniere, uh, you know first and second pick overall. That'll change a team's fortunes for twelve years, you know. But that and that's what's called a rebuild. You can't just keep putting bandages on. Uh, something that's broken and, and hope that it gets fixed because I just don't, this is beyond fixing. Now you've clearly got an aging group of, of older guys that are just not uh, setting, setting the bar as high as it needs to be for this team to be successful. And you've got a group of, of younger players that I think are pretty good. Uh, albeit they're the same or, or not as good as a lot of other younger guys on other teams. So that's a harsh reality. I, and the truth. 
Yeah, I, I think last night was a perfect example to me. The, the, what the Capitals did to the Flyers is what the Flyers have always done to everybody else. They were big, physical, tough, could score goals, play defense, grind in the corners, win those battles. The Flyers can't do any of those things now. Well, and, and that so, and, and what's happened is, is like this is a really smart market uh, for sports, especially for for the intangibles. That's what Philly gets more than like a lot of other cities. So the compete level is atrocious. I mean, it's brutal. There's nobody even competing. There's guys pit, m- missing. I see it with a clear eye. It may be harder for some guys. Are literally not finishing checks. Uh, they're stick checking everywhere. Uh, you can't win a hockey game, uh, let alone a playoff game, if you're if you're competing like that. So it's been disappointing. I can live with losses. I can. I can. I mean, most people can. Philly can too. But they can't live with a lack of effort or a lack of competitiveness, and that's what we've seen on a nightly basis now for almost two months. Well, Chris, uh, we want to give you plenty of time to talk about this new endeavor that you're involved with. Uh, you're devoting much of your time to it now. You're a partner there, part owner, I guess. Limitless Recovery, it is that uh, treatment center in Fishtown. And boy, Sam Carcidi, our, our pal, did a great piece on you a uh, month or two back. Just you, you're talking about your whole story with Sam. If you don't mind, um, Chris, could you tell us, you know, about your own struggles what caused you to have your own personal problems with uh, alcohol and how did it get out of hand? How did you know and had gotten out of hand? Yeah, well, that was actually the, the best part when I talk about it is that I recognized it was a problem fairly quick. It was, uh, you know, I got through almost my whole career is pretty much just a, uh, you know, I'm not, a, not much different than other guys, you know, get a win. If we had a night out on the road, I would take advantage and, and go partake in a few beers with the guys. But, you know, alcoholism is a progressive disease. You know, it, 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 it uh, gets worse as you get older. It was my last year. It was 2004, actually, which, I, you know, I talk about uh, very honestly that, you know, I got to a rink one morning and we weren't playing. There was a lockout that year. It was a 2004-05 season where we lost an entire year. Uh, that was really, I mean, that was the, the pin. It all started to go real downhill from there. Guys, and it, I, I've heard many stories of other players, too, but, for me, I, you know, I can't worry about what they, you know, what happened with them. I can only worry about what happened myself. But I noticed that it was getting really bad that year. I was drinking like just to get kind of regular. And mm-hmm. that becomes when that to me is clearly when it becomes a problem. I had young kids. Uh, I ended up coming back to the Flyers. Uh, I got signed in the offseason uh, in 05. I came back for the 05, 06 season. I probably played 30, 35 pretty decent games. And then uh, I, I had a concussion. Uh, in January and I was somehow getting through the season you know and I was you know pretty much a full-blown alcoholic by that point and trying to play um, but I had a concussion and then what happened was the Olympic uh, Olympic break took place two weeks after and I was essentially um, I went from not knowing what the concussion was to not knowing what whether I was you know in withdrawal or whether I was actively out there so it, it, it was tough um, you know, I ended up uh, after at that point, and I told us, you know, story was very, very clear at the, uh, you know, 2006 for me was as bad a year as it gets. And uh, it it uh, it kind of came to a close with the you know, death of my sister, sudden mm-hmm. cardiac death. And it was an awful time. I mean, it was a, the worst time. Uh, you know, I was I was sick. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had a young family. We had a baby on the way. Um which was amazing in its own right that I was having a fourth child. And, and so I got, I went, went away to rehab and uh, to Karen in Warnersville, Pennsylvania. And I got, got the help I needed and came back and got almost two years. 
And I decided I was broadcasting radio and I decided I'd go out and try it out in the, in the summer again to see if it was, you know, if I was normal, if I could ever be a normal drinker again. And I found out pretty quick that I couldn't. But I, I never got back to the to the high, high levels uh, that you've read in the article, uh, uh, which was absolutely insane. You know, and I, I realized how much that you had drinking you have to do to get to that. So, uh, you know, again, and and, uh, and I did bounce in and out a little bit, guys, for some time. But like I said, I was very vigilant. Uh, people were well aware of, of my situation. Uh, that I'd had an issue by that point. Now we're getting into 2008, 9, 10. Um, and it was, it was just a day in, uh, in 2011, early 2011, where I'd, uh, I'd one of my last couple parties and, uh, and that was it. Uh, I stopped. I realized, you know, I had uh, just too many, I had too many obligations. I had too many responsibilities to people in this world and I was being too selfish. I was being selfish. You know, I was looking, you know, and unfortunately that's what, ha that's what happens with alcohol. You know, it, it, it commands you, it, it calls out to you, it dictates to you. And until you get that part of it under control is never getting alcohol under control. I understand that now, but from February 7th, 2011, until 2021, I've gone 10, 10 plus years now straight. And, you know, I always tell people I'm, uh, you know, I'm 49. I'm not afraid to give my, my age, but I've never drank. I've never drank in my forties, you know? So, you know, someday maybe if I, if I live long enough, I can look back and uh, again, with through the grace of God and one day at a time that I'm able to, you know, continue this, this journey of sobriety and, and being a, a solid, good person on a daily basis, trying to help others. And that's where limitless came in guys. I just, I wanted to be uh, someone to give back. I'd know the pain that I was in through it. I feel, as I said, truly, truly blessed. Uh, you know, I get, I get a look at the inside here of, of Limitless, and, and we're moving locations. We're getting a bigger space. This is uh, what they bought when the two young guys had set it up. And uh, really, for me, I, I couldn't be more. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of it. Uh, we we deal with the everyday man, everyday woman that uh, gives us a call. Uh, I'm very, very sensitive towards um, you know anybody's problem, whether it's drug addiction alcoholism, uh, mental health. Uh, a lot of them are co, you know, uh, dual diagnosis with, with, with them. They kind of run hand in hand. So, uh, but there's a lot of people out there uh, all over the place that need help and they need support. And, and uh, if I'm one voice uh, or one arm to be able to reach out to somebody, well, that's, you know, that, that, that fulfills me as a person. Uh, I'm no longer doing the hockey, but I tell you what, uh, since, you know, January 2nd, when we walked in that door at Limitless and I was a proud owner at that time. It's been, uh, probably the most three and a half of the most rewarding months of my life to this point. And I know it's only getting, well. this is my last stop. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I feel very blessed that I, I had my experiences here in Philadelphia as a player, tons of games, lots of games, 14 years as a broadcaster uh, uh, in many, many different facets. But uh, you know, to have a place in the city to still cross over the bridge, to still take a look at, at, the, at the city when I get over there and be able to know that I'm giving back. It, it's very meaningful to me and very important. Yep. So, Chris, if a person is listening uh, or watching and they have a problem, what, what do they need to do? They pick up the phone and call you guys. Do you have counselors there? How, how does it work for somebody that might might need to make that call? You know, that's a that's a great question, Bill. And you know what? I think the best thing really is, is that there's multiple ways to get a hold of us. Uh, you can go to our Limitless Recovery Centers. It's got an S on the end of it.com, LimitlessRecoveryCenters.com. We have the chat box. There's a phone number. The chat box goes to every one of them. I've done tests with my partner to make sure that there's no glitches. So we've done text. So you just take your text, tell them what your issue is. We'll get back to you in just moments uh, from that, that chat option. And, and if you want to just reach out to me, whether it's Messenger on social media, Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, whatever, any way possible that you can get a hold of us, we've reached out. I mean, there's been so many people in the community that I've never spoke to before that have called. I've called them right back within minutes, and that's that's really the – that's what I do, you know. And, and there's been some amazing stories, uh, people trying to get sober, and it's very humbling, too. It brings me back into a place where I remember well, and um, <clears throat> it's certainly – it, it's a, it's been a tough year too, guys. Obviously, with the pandemic, uh, alcohol um, has gone up, skyrocketed the sales in the lot in 2020 through 2021, up over 200 percent. So it's kind of made its comeback. And drugs are still, I mean, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. And this is a real epidemic uh, of drugs, and, and alcohol has been a major problem. So the more voices there are, the more good people there are in the community trying to support anyone that has a problem. Uh, the better off we all are. Yeah, it's uh, a great thing that you're doing. You're to be commended for all of that, Chris. I wish you the best with everything at Limitless. You'll be helping a lot of people over the next several years. I know that. Uh, one other thing before we uh, let you go. I know you have another commitment this evening. This past Sunday marked the fifth anniversary of Flyers founder and longtime owner Ed Snyder's passing. How well did you get to know Mr. Snyder during your time with the organization and you know any favorite memories of him? It's I, well, we call him Mr. Snyder. I'll say Ed Snyder now because he wouldn't, he wasn't, he's not going to hear me. <laughs> but, uh, he was, he was, uh, as I said, I called him the goat on Facebook, but it's G O O A T, the greatest owner of all time. He <laughs> is the greatest owner of all time. And you know what? He cared about the players, he cared about the people that worked here, but you know what he cared about the most? The fans. The fans of this city were more important to him than anything. And he yeah. let us know that. They were number one on his list. It wasn't the broadcasters. It wasn't the players. It was the fans. And that's something that I, you know, I forever cherish. And quite frankly, it's why I get a little ticked off watching what's going on on the ice right now, because I know that if Mr. Snyder were, were here, uh, there'd be, there'd be hell to pay for the product that's on the ice right now. He was a great man. And I, and I tell you what, I miss him dearly. A lot of us do. I got to know him very well. Of course, when you're doing, you know, you got radio and TV gigs over the years. I probably had to be uh, rubber stamped by, by Mr. Snyder to, to continue to get through it. So I always sure. think I had a pretty good relationship with him and, and served uh, served the Flyers pretty well in my time. All right. Hey, Chris, we got to let you go. Uh, before you do, one last time, where can we uh, – where can the people find you? Phone number, website, throw it out there. Yeah, just go to LimitlessRecoveryCenters.com. Uh, or you can reach me, uh, my partner, Dom Chavon, who's in the article uh, as well. Or you can just Google my name, Chris Terrian, and you will see a lot of the uh, uh, limitless pop up below it, uh, rehab, community recovery and stuff. So uh, don't be afraid to message me on Facebook. That's where a lot of people have reached out and said, hey, I got a brother, I got a sister, I got a friend. Mm -hmm. Well, don't be shy. Uh, I'm, I'm as probably as re regular and ordinary a guy as, as there is as you meet on the street. And I, and I take pride in that. You know, I talk to anybody. I, uh, and, and that's pretty much who I've always been. I've uh, been a loud mouth. Uh, I've also, uh, I also, I say that, I say that with, uh, with pride in a lot of ways. Also, again, I, I love talking and, and the more that somebody's able to have enough courage to come to me with the story like that. And if there's something, a difference I can make, then that's certainly what I'll try to do. No offense to Scott Hartnell, but I miss seeing you on TV, Bundy. Yeah, it's a tough, it's tough. I mean, I did it for a long time and, you know, if they bring a new guy in, it takes, it takes time, you know, to get a rhythm built up and everything. So I'm understanding of that. I do miss doing it. I, I still could have done limitless while doing the games, but uh, this was uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's just yeah. been, one of those, been one of those years, guys. And you know what? The, I got at you. the end of the day, there's there's blue sky for me, and, and I'm happy with where things are in my life. All right. Hey, you, Chris. Chris, thanks. And I tell you, I can tell you, I speak for all the Flyers fans that that know you and uh, and have watched you. Very proud of what you got going on. Absolutely. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Thanks, fellas. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, I might sound like a broken record for probably the sixth straight week, but the uh, the Sixers continue to play well. The lead over the Nets is still zero uh, since they're still tied. But the Nets decided they didn't want to play tonight, apparently, uh, <laughs> with what they have six uh, inactives tonight. Is that how it ended up? And uh, yeah, what's something going like on? That. Well, Harden was already hurt. Um, Durant, who just came back a week or so ago, decided he didn't feel up to playing tonight or whatever his excuse was. Um, I, I assume Kyrie Irving's playing, but Blake Griffin is not. Uh, Aldridge, who they just got a couple of weeks ago, right before the trade deadline, he's apparently out tonight. So I think what's going on is the Nets just don't want to show how good they are and give the Sixers you know, any clue of what a series against them would be like, because like a lot of people, they think that these two teams are going to meet for the Eastern Conference championship later this season. We'll see. We hope that is what happens in, you know, the case of the Sixers, but yeah, the Nets are just kind of playing possum here. And I I think they're assuming, Hey, we'll throw this game, but we're not going to let them see just how good we are. Well, you know, it's, it's the middle of April. It's one game in the middle of April. I mean, what what are they thinking they're going to show that's going to happen down the line, you know, two months or whatever it is? And the thing of it is, if the Nets lose, and we hope that they do, we hope the Sixers don't, you know, go into this one overconfident. Uh, if the Nets lose, the Sixers win the season series, which, of course, would be the first tiebreaker because it's the third game and they split the first two. So apparently that's not overly important to the Nets. Maybe they just think that they will, you know, win the division outright no matter what or that they just don't care they think they could beat the Sixers even if they don't have home court advantage who knows but I was looking to go home and see a great game tonight and now not going to see any of the net stars other than maybe Kyrie Irving for a while well I think what uh what's really interesting to me is this whole Kevin Durant thing I mean this guy's (laughs) it's like he's in a meltdown mode thinking about everything but basketball uh he's in a he's in a peeing contest i'll leave it at that with <laughs> shannon sharp on tv shannon sharp's kind of wanting to bury the hatchet and go go behind closed doors and durant's wanting to go public with the whole thing again a broadcaster shannon sharp is a hall of fame football player he's nothing but a broadcaster now and and durant's wanting to fight him i i just he's not focused on basketball I don't know. Yeah. What, what did you say that he said today? Something about winning championships isn't the top priority anymore. I don't yeah, know. Self-improvement is the most <laughs> important thing. I'm not worried about winning championships anymore. Uh, okay. Not the, kind of, not the kind of guy I want leading my team. I'll tell you this though, Bill, Joel Embiid is a beast. He's awesome. Yeah. 36 points in 26 minutes the other night. I know your issue with him. He doesn't, play all the time and it may cost him an MVP award this year having you know missed a third of the season but I'll tell you when he's out there and healthy there's nobody better right now yeah I tell you I I was I was kind of laughing to myself when I saw the DNPs for the Nets saying <laughs> let's let's it beats going to get a uh, load management night tonight to uh <laughs> to make up for the six guys that aren't playing that then then me and you would have had a real argument Instead, I think Dwight Howard is taking the night off with some knee soreness. And I think that's the first game he's missing all year. So, all right, right. Whatever. Yeah. Let's all get right. the W. All right. Hey, um, am I hearing a bell? Let's do it, Bill. We are right on schedule somehow. I don't know how the hell that happened, but uh, yeah, we're going to ring the bell, Bill. Uh, 
you know this. It was all over the Philly news and sports channels over the past week, Bill, radio and TV, the 50th anniversary of the opening of Veterans Stadium. Some of us are actually old enough to remember it, that first official Phillies game at the Vet. It was April 10th, 1971, and the Phillies beat the Montreal Expos 4-1. to 39-year-old Jim Bunning was the winning pitcher. Second-year shortstop Larry Boa got the first official hit. Don Money belted the first home run. I saw dozens of baseball games at the Vet over the years. Of course, they had Philadelphia Phil and Phyllis and the Dancing Waters in the early years. The Fanatic arrived in 78. I also saw several Eagles games there, including some from the Rowdy 700 level. And a slew of concerts, too. Bruce Springsteen in the mid-80s. David Bowie in 1987. Paul McCartney twice. U2, Pink Floyd, The Stones in both 1989 and 2002. And Billy Joel and Elton John on their first ever Piano Men tour in July 1994. One of the hottest summer nights ever. Great concert memories and great sports memories also. I was there for the 1996 Major League All-Star Game. And I was there the night in October 1993 when the Phils eliminated the Braves to advance to the World Series. The Vet gave us all plenty of great memories during its 33-year run. Was it a great stadium? No. We may have thought so in the early years, but, I mean, in reality, very few dual-purpose stadiums were really that hot. The sight lines weren't good for football. The AstroTurf ended or took years off of the careers of several players, and it really wasn't that great to look at. But, Bill, as you and others have said over the years, the Vet was a dump, but it was our dump. That's right. I couldn't couldn't say it any better than that. Uh, it, it was it was a fun time. Uh, it got a little carried away, but it's uh, it's it's uh, what, what's the right word? It's the reputation that the Philadelphia fans have made for themselves comes right out of Veterans Stadium. Philadelphia yeah. Phil and Phyllis send their love, Bill. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, speaking of uh, Philadelphia Phillies love and Veterans Stadium, Chad, how about today? Pete Rose is eighty years old. 80 yeah. Chet. What in I the was gonna world mention that has happened. And still not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 80 years old. I mean, he he was playing when I was a kid, and he was one of the first great opposing players that you just fell in love with as far as watching him, just because you know, you hear in the name Charlie Hustle, the guy went all out when he played. And you know, we saw him when we were young kids in the 60s, and he was still there in the 70s and into the 80s, helping the Phillies win that championship. And yeah. He's 80 years old today, Bill. 1963, he was a rookie, Chet. 1963. I think I started watching in 65. So, uh, yeah, he was yeah. there and established already. And, you know, he was one of those guys. You, you you said you became a fan. You know, you, you could only be a fan of his hustle because you hated to play against him because he was going to beat you somehow. And then, oh, when yeah. he, then he became our guy. We loved him. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, happy 80th, Charlie Hustle. Hard to believe 80, though, Chet. Well, hopefully we'll get there at some point, too. We're, we're still 35. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look at us. <laughs> hey, uh, Chet, 39-34 Sixers at the moment uh, with 9.31 to go in the second. And your boy, JoJo, has 10 points and five rebounds so far. That sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, none of those other guys are playing. Ben Simmons with uh, with nine points already, though. Well, that's good for him. I mean, he's, you know, he, some, he takes five or six shots some games lately. And that's just not enough. You got to see him getting more involved. I want to see him being more aggressive like he was going into the All-Star break. Yeah, 
Well, we'll see. They uh, they're going to need them down the stretch. As we said, we're still tie after we we talk about this every week, and uh, there's no move in the standings. Five six weeks in a row, still sitting here, one game, no games, and you know, yeah, tied uh, right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, one other thing, getting back to the Phillies, I forgot to mention this. Great to hear our friend Dan Baker behind the mic at the home games, uh, back doing his PA stuff. And uh, I said hello to him through our friend Jane the other day, and he said hello, and I texted him, and he said he'd be glad to come back on the show this summer, so hopefully that will happen. It's funny you mentioned Dan because I had him on my list to mention as well a little bit later on. Uh, yeah. Good. Good. I I had heard him. Uh, I didn't know if he was back full-time or, or what he was doing, but certainly glad to have him back uh, where he belongs. Good to hear Dan all the time. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Chet. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the lineup at the EOP Network for the week, starting tonight with our Philly Press Box radio show with Damo and Bundy, and later tonight, 9.30 show with uh, Edge of Philly Sports Network has former Philly Mickey Morandini. That'll be Al, Fred, and Joey on that one. And then Nails coming to the Patterson Avenue <laughs> Fanatic. That's right. Lenny Dykstra joins Tom Kelly and the gang. Be sure to check out their shows. It's going to be a great week on the EOP Network leading into the NFL draft coverage here in a couple weeks, Chet. All kinds of stuff going on with that. I think you're even making an appearance somewhere on that, aren't you? That is the rumor, yes. Uh, we got a lot of draft coverage coming up in two weeks. It all starts, the draft does, two weeks from tomorrow. But you know, between now and then, we're putting out daily articles. I just wrote one, as a matter of fact, about Micah Parsons, which I think will hit the world tomorrow. So uh, a little draft preview on Micah Parsons, who, as Paul mentioned, could be drafted in the top 10 or maybe fall to the Eagles at number 12. We shall see. And uh, every day we're doing that. And then the week of the draft, there's something going on every day with shows and specials and more articles and hopefully a live show that I will be part of that Friday evening for night two of the draft. There you go. Looking forward to it. I, I will actually be on, I think, also possibly on that Friday uh, from, from a distance. I won't be live, but uh, I believe uh, there's a couple segments that I'm going to be working the draft as well. So kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, looking forward to the whole draft and what the Eagles may or may not do and see how many people they can piss off this year. <laughs> well, check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting that subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your friends and family. Don't forget to sign up for the weekly EOP newsletter that arrives each Friday by email. And check Philly Press Box Radio, uh, I think we were the video of the week last week, were we not? Was I, you know, I didn't look at the email last week and the newsletter, but heck, that's good. Yeah, yeah. We've been cranking out some fine shows for the people. Yeah. Some good uh, some good feedback with Crystal Rich and with Kim and uh, Kim Perrant and Corey Favell. Both of those, or all three of those guests last weekend, or last week, uh, got a lot of good feedback on that stuff. Yeah, well, Crystal was great, and uh, we had a lot of fun with Kim and Corey. That was fun. Uh, good times for sure. Hey, before we move on, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, Bill, but I wanted to tell our viewers and our listeners about some opportunities to go see our Phillies on the road and some other journeys via Philly Sports Trips. Now, here's the deal. There is a trip to Wrigley Field and Fenway Park. That is the week of July 5th, or you can just do one or the other. And then I'm going to be going on this one. It is a mid-July trip to Yankee Stadium. And, of course, I can't find that now as I wanted to. 
But uh, yeah, Yankee Stadium, that is July 21st, a midweek thing. So we may have to reschedule our show that day. It's $189, but here's what you get for that, Bill. That is all inclusive. You get the bus trip up to the Bronx, free liquid refreshments, a free pre-game tailgate, which includes more food and refreshments, and, of course, your game ticket, and then uh, they'll even bring you home uh, back to Philadelphia. So you can get all the details on those and other trips via the website, phillysportstrips.com. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, Anybody that's not been to uh, Wrigley Field needs to go there. Uh, I personally have never been to Fenway. Uh, I have been to Wrigley Field a couple times, and it is it's worth going to just yeah. because it's iconic. I uh, haven't been to either of those two, and I wish I could go this year, but uh, I don't have that many available days off that I can take at my real job. But I am going to go up to Yankee Stadium again. I've been there a few times, and uh, that'll be fun. You, you've been to the new Yankee Stadium? I have, yeah, about okay. uh, four years ago. I have not been to that. I've been to, I was at the old one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was at the old time. one, too, way back when. Very cool. Well, that, that's going to be a good setup. Uh, maybe we get that information out, too, and uh, we'll put yep. it on our Philly Press Box Radio page and our website. And anybody wants to jump in on that and hang out with you, Chet? <laughs> and be not, not just me, but Big Al and Freddie Burns and maybe a couple other EOP guys. So, uh, yeah, you can hang with us. There you go. Good deal. All right, Chet. Uh, great guest tonight, as always, Paul Domowitz, Domowitz and Chris Terrian. Uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next weekend? Well, Bill, joining us next week, we have a return visit from Bleeding Green Nation's Brandon Lee Gowton. We're going to talk both Eagles and Sixers with BLG. And I don't know for sure, but he may be our sole guest next week because, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure, but we will need to spend at least 20 minutes previewing this year's Academy Awards, which will be the following Sunday. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it might be just you and Brandon. <laughs> Let, let's let's go with the or not on that. I, I, I'm really? Not okay. I'm not really feeling that all that much. Okay. But, hey, but you have fun with it, antagonizing <laughs> your uh, your your partner. That's all good. I think I just gave you a little hint at what next week's random chat segment may oh, be. Geez. <laughs> I, I might be absent for that. I don't know. Oh, you can go to the bathroom for three minutes. Yeah, yeah, I will. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. All right, Chet, let's give a shout out to our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. Yes. Do you have a parting shot? We uh, Yeah, we're right on schedule. Not a, not a true parting shot this week, but we talked earlier, Bill, about the opening of Veterans Stadium 50 years ago. I mentioned Jim Bunning, Larry Boa, and Don Money, but how about the rest of that not-so-great 1971 Phillies team? Tim McCarver was the starting catcher for that 65-win club. And, Will, well, Bill, let me ask you, can you remember who else started that very first game at the Vet for the Phillies? <laughs> Let's go with Denny Doyle. Denny Doyle was at second base. Don Money, Larry Boa. 
Who played uh, first? Who played first? 1971. He was a slugger, and I like this Darren guy. Darren Johnson. Darren Johnson is correct. How about the outfield? I don't. You're not going to get all three outfielders. I guarantee you that. We didn't have Montanez yet. We did. He was in center field before he moved to first base. Yes. Now you need a corner outfielders. We had Lazinski. No, he wasn't up yet. He wasn't up yet. Larry Heisel. Ooh, Larry Heisel was on the bench. He did not start. The corner outfielders for the opener were Roger Freed in right mm -hmm. and Johnny Briggs in left. Briggs only played 10 games that year with the Phils before they traded him to Milwaukee for two guys that never really lasted. Ray Peters, a pitcher, an outfielder, Pete Kogel. Uh, I, I, I didn't realize that Briggs was still there in 71. From yeah, being on 10 the games. He got, tra he got traded at the end of April. The end of uh, April, they traded him. And you know, Chet, I have in my collection, which uh, if I'd have known we were going to talk about that, I'd have I'd have brought it out somewhere. It's a framed picture. Actually, Carl's Cards did this. Uh, it is signed by Bunning, Boa, and Money with their accomplishments listed with the whole opening day at Veteran Stadium. Thanks. Nice piece all framed nice. up. Looks, looks cool. By the way, 1971, Bill, was also the very first year of Harry Callis as the Phillies announcer. He had come over from Houston. And he, there, he was there, of course, 1971 to 2009, and he just passed 12 years ago this week. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was going to bring that up as well, Chet. 12 years. 12 years ago for HK being gone and Pete Rose being 80. Something something is amiss. <sighs> I miss these guys, Harry and Whitey. Absolutely. Speaking of that, uh, one, one quick mention. Uh, we've got an addition to Philly's radio coming back. How yes, about that? Murph. Murph, what surprised at that? Yeah, I mean, because you know the TV folks let him go last year, but now he's coming back doing some radio. I don't know the specifics. Is he going to fill in and do some mid-inning play-by-play? What's he going to do? I don't know. I didn't hear. Uh, I didn't hear either. Uh, I just know that they've signed him, and uh, it, it's kind of like as a freelance type deal. Oh, okay, and, uh, you know, I, I guess as assigned. I like it. Wrap it all up, Bill. We got to go. I'm other, hungry. All other assigned duties. How about that? <laughs> I'm hungry. All right. Let's thank tonight's special guests, Paul Domowitz and Chris Terrian. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and, all, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, April 21st at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com, slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the others, iHeartRadio, Philly Press Box Radio, on YouTube also, Chet. So high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Check us out. Oh, one more time.